This is Film Trauma Podcast. I am your host, Rick, and I spent my entire life savings on Blu-rays. Now, at the brink of financial ruin, I am here using this dusty old podcast as a format in which I can stop buying movies and start talking about movies and focus on the most important aspect of being obsessed with films that is not buying the films but watching the films and enjoying them for what they are and today I am talking about a wonderful film that I have seen for the first time um, Paul Nash's The Werewolf versus The Vampire Woman it was a pickup that I got from Vinegar Syndrome and I'm very thankful that I picked up this title I've been a Nashy fan for a lot of years, um, and I didn't really know a lot about Paul Nashy. I just knew he was really prolific in Spain, and that his movies um, created sort of a revolution. He had made over 120 pictures. Um, the Werewolf versus the Vampire Woman, also known as Walpurgis Night or Shadow of the Wolf or something like that, um, made in 1971. After that movie was released, it people started copying it, and sort and that film sort of created a revolution, if you will, of horror films in Spain. And Paul Nashi worked for another film company, and they made a lot of horror films and a lot of werewolf movies. But the Werewolf versus the Vampire Woman, I think, was his fifth werewolf film. Um, featuring the character um, Waldemar Daninsky, which Nashi created as a sort of a tribute to one of the, the weightlifters, the Polish weightlifters that he knew during his own weightlifting days. Now, you have to remember, when Paul Nashi wrote this film, there was still under the influence of General Franco in Spain. So there was a lot of heavy censorship occurring from the government. So the government read the script and said, no, no, this guy cannot be from Spain. You can't do that because simply these things don't happen in Spain, right? These things like uh, vampires coming back to life and curses and magic and werewolves eating people and all that sort of thing. So he had to set the film in a different country. And he did. And I believe um, this is set in Poland, I think. It's supposed to be set in Poland, but it's very obviously Spain. But this was my first time watching The Werewolf versus The Vampire Woman, and I absolutely loved this movie. Since I've created and amassed such a humongous Blu-ray collection, I have, like... I don't even, sometimes I don't even get a chance to read the synopses, the back of the box, or know much about them. I buy a lot of them sight unseen, or I used to. Um, if I know the director, if I know that it's more of an infamous title, I used to just buy it, buy it, buy it, and I'll watch it later. So I wound up with an embarrassment of riches, really. And um, anything Nashy, I just, I consumed. So I do have, there's several releases spread out over Scream Factory, the Paul Nashy Collection, Volume 1 and 2, Mondo Macabro, which has um, the wizard and the demon sword and Inquisition and 
and then now vinegar syndrome and there's there might be others out there as well but um this edition here is a 4k ultra hd with a, a wonderful slip cover and i'm very happy to have the slip cover on the front it's a beautiful painting of the backdrop is um um, Paul Nashi as the wolfman in his claws, and he's sort of looming over two uh, scantily clad women on the front and in the back. Um, a poster from the Walpurgis Night, uh, image from the poster, I'm sorry, and it's 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 Paul Nashi again with, with his full uh, wolfman makeup and his hairy hand reaching out to a, a woman with her head down, and it says, The blood flows like vintage wine. But they don't drink any vintage wine in this. But uh, now from the back of the box, uh, infamous werewolf Waldemar Daninsky has been brought back from the dead after a mortician carelessly removes a silver bullet from his heart. Unable to stop himself from viciously killing anyone in his path, he begins his search for a sacred cross which can finally cure him of his monstrous affliction. Meanwhile, Genevieve and Elvira are scouring the French countryside for the final resting place of Countess Wandessa, who, according to legend, was a vampire who thrived on the blood of young virgins in order to retain her beauty. One night, they encounter Waldemar, who offers to aid them in their quest and leads the two women to Wandessa's tomb. However, while in the process of opening it, a drop of blood falls on her skeletal remains, thus reanimating and rejuvenating her desire for blood and revenge from beyond the grave. Now, faced with an evil capable of even more brutality than his own, Waldemar realizes that he is the only hope in defeating Countess Wandessa. The third released film in the Waldemar Daninsky saga... The Werewolf vs. the Vampire Woman is considered one of Paul Nashie's crowning achievements. And, beginning with gothic atmosphere, brutal violence, and an underpinning of eroticism, Vinegar Syndrome is delighted to present the world UHD debut of The Werewolf vs. the Vampire Woman, newly restored in 4K from its 35mm original camera negative, and including three different cuts of the film its international export nude version, its clothed Spanish version, and an integral nude Spanish version. Um, additional information and special features, the 4K disc, it has the, the each disc has um, an alternate cut, and it's filled with interviews and a feature-length documentary um, featuring Mick Garris, John Landis, and Joe Dante, Carolyn Monroe, Paul Nash, and more. Um, there, there, it's just chock full of features. And if you were going to pick up one title this year, and you, if you had one, a little bit of a, a tiny bit of a budget, and you're a horror fan, this is the title to pick up. It's just hands down my favorite release that I've watched so far from 2022. Now we're in 2023, um, but this was the this was my favorite horror film that I've seen in, in a, such a very, very, very long time. In fact, today, um, the, the trailer for Evil Dead, the new Evil Dead drop, dropped today, and I think five people have already sent me the trailer for it, but um, I'm not interested. I, I really don't care, and I, I'm not going to watch it. 
um, because this movie and movies like this, these genre films, are far more interesting to me than any new horror film. And I used to really never feel that way. I was pretty excited about any new horror release, um, staying current on horror and finding out, you know, what's new, what's coming out, because being a, a burgeoning screenwriter, I want to know what's similar to the stuff that I'm making. But I kind of really don't care anymore because um, everything that's new is a com- is completely derivative of everything that's come before it, for better or for worse. And um, The Werewolf versus the Vampire Woman is a derivative film of um, the Universal Pictures werewolf movies and the mashup monster mash movies with you know dracula versus the wolfman and abin and costello me frankenstein versus the mummy and all this sort of thing but this is a very different type of film because it mixes this has this sense of romance but not like an overly flowery romantic film and there is like um always that quality in some of these films with the melodrama, the interpersonal relationship melodrama that just that just weighs the film down and that's completely absent from this because the relationship drama in The Werewolf versus the Vampire Woman is totally relevant to the story. It, it makes complete fucking sense because Valdemar, he needs to break the curse. Okay, he, at this point in film number five, he became a werewolf while he was in Tibet. And he's not an evil man. He's kind of like Larry Talbot. You know, he's doomed to walk the earth. You know, he he does not want to be a werewolf. He does not like the things he does. He's trying to break his curse. But there is a sense of sort of he knows he's a, kind of a badass, right? And he does use that to his advantage to solve problems in this as the wolf i mean you know there's a couple there's an instance in the end where he um of course is uh genevieve or no um not genevieve elvira is kidnapped and he he's as the wolf is uh confined with chains and then you're rooting for him to sort of break out and uh use his power his strength his ferocity his ferociousness to save the girl and he does and it's an extremely satisfying scene and um you see that in so many other films right where in the beginning you're afraid of the power of the of the anti-hero you you fear him you fear the monster but when the chips are down and your protagonist is in trouble who do you rely on ah the monster and their and their strength and their cunning and their ferocity to save the day. And that's exactly what happens. And it is such a pleasing scene to witness. Um, everything about this movie is enjoyable. From the soundtrack, the special effects, as rudimentary as they are, they also sort of mimic the universal spe- special effects. I think Paul Nashi looks fantastic as the Wolfman. They just they do kind of the same thing. It's just that pasted-on hair and the teeth. He, they updated the teeth where he's got the the teeth up top. His fangs are up top like vampire teeth. They're huge. And they're he's always drooling and like dripping with saliva pouring out of his face over his over his hair. His long, like stringy beard. 
and it's awesome. He looks fantastic. And Paul Nashi, I think he re- you can tell how much he loved Lon Chaney's performance in The Wolfman because you could make a direct one-to-one correlation of this, and you can really see how this fits in perfectly with the Wolfman type of story, and I wish there was some way to integrate the two to connect them because they look and feel so similar in... Uh, the, I'm sorry, the werewolf characters look and feel so similar. Larry Talbot and Voldemort, they, they look great. The way that they're, they carry themselves, the way that he's dressed. He has his shirt tucked into his pants, and he always appears very neat and clean and tidy, except for, like, the aftermath. You know, the next day after he's been wolfing out all night and he and he returns home to Elvira and he's in tattered and shredded clothing and then you know he's been up to no good. He's been out hunting. But um, and the film just works on, I think, every level. And it was my first time um, experiencing a Spanish horror film that I could... I'm sorry, that was so similar to a mainstream, like, universal film. Um, there's a lot of other Spanish stuff out there that the special effects can be a little clunky. I think the film industry in Spain at the time wasn't very big. So, not like in, in Italy where you had, um, they leaned more towards the gore. This is the Spanish stuff here, the Spanish films. They they, they were bloody, they were gory, but not as that is gory and is visceral, I think, is the Italian films. And um, I, I enjoy, I do enjoy watching and comparing the two and seeing how different and how similar they are. They're both heavily Catholic countries, and they both had a similar uh, political thing going on, and they all came from the same sort of inspiration, I think, at the time, um, the filmmakers. Um, so there was... A lot of similarity between uh, Italian films, Italian horror films, genre films, and uh, Spanish genre films. Um, and it, it's just cool. It's it's fun to pick out the differences. I think that a lot of the some of the takes in the Spanish horror films they they lean a bit more towards comedic, um, a bit more towards. There's a scene in the beginning where he's laid out on the morgue and they pull the silver bullet out of his chest and they're like oh he's not going to come back to life he's it's whatever he's not even the werewolves aren't even real they pull the silver bullet out and then the hairy hand creeps up over the mortician's shoulder and chomps down on him and he jumps and you're like okay that's a bit of an Abbott and Costello moment right there it's a little bit of a bit of comedy whereas uh, I think the Italian horror films don't have as much of that um but overall, I loved it. The pacing was was right on. Uh, Paul Nashi was right on. I think you know what. In this instance, I will say, um, I did prefer the dubbed version. Well, actually, I preferred um, the actor who dubbed Paul Nashi. I preferred his performance more. It was very very enjoyable listening to that actor deliver those lines. He was fantastic. Um, he just had a very commanding voice and he was, it was so well done that I, it was, I was captivated by his voice and it pulled me through the film because some of the other, uh, characters, the overdubs, the actors and the overdubbing weren't as strong 
and some of them were a bit ridiculous, even, um, especially the Elvira's character. Like at times, I mean, that she was a terrible <laughs> overdub actress in this film, but uh, Nashi's actor, whoever that was, they got to overdub him was fantastic, and you know, like I say, I was captivated for the the entire time. Um, story was good. Action was good. It made complete sense. Very cohesive. Even, even though it was heavy on the supernatural, all that stuff worked. And you had what, what I think I really, really, really enjoyed about this is that it had a lot of elements of the supernatural and curses and like uh, ghostly things and lore. You know, like you kill one of the vampires, and if you're bitten by a vampire, then your mark disappears. I really like that part of it, and how the the main vampire uh, turns the other vampire girl, and now they're sort of like these mystic, ethereal, floating specters. Uh, that was really cool. You know, I really enjoyed that. Um, and and at the at the very very end, the very end of the film. Well, actually, then the whole story, uh, well, like the idea that like Paul Nashi's character just wants to break his curse, you know, and the only way he can break his curse is by being killed by a woman who loves him. So, so that's very much uh, like the Lon Chaney's Wolfman. So, and that's ultimately what happens, you know. He he is killed by Elvira in the end. And um, it's it's a very tragic thing because he's such a likable character throughout the film. Um, he's he's strong. He seems kind to the other characters. Um, he's a tortured guy. He he hates the the situation that he's in. He's blamed for all these murders, but of course he's the murderer. You know, um, well at least for part of them. You know, like he's not he's not out uh, sucking the blood and leaving all the young girls in the village dead, but he is out. You know, chomping up um, people cooking beans in a can by a tree in the middle. And he does do something like that, but you know, um, so it's 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 a tragic story because you really like the guy, you like the character. Um, he's just trying to break his curse and he knows what he has to do. So he's, he's, um, resigned himself to this fate, you know, that, um, I'm gonna, I'm going to, um, relinquish my life. I mean, you pray for my soul, you know, uh, he tells Elvira after they discover Genevieve is dead, you pray for her soul. She's dead. She's no longer cursed. It's fine. Just like me. Right just like me it's okay you know you can you can stab me you can take my life and um then you pray for my soul it was really effective it it, it worked really really well and there is a bit of a love triangle there too between um the three characters um Elvira uh Paul Nashi and the other dude and um it they don't go real heavy on that in fact they have this very like gentlemanly uh interaction that yes, you know, I, I apologize that she and I have developed this relationship when you're supposed to be in a relationship with her, but we bonded over the after the death of her friend, and you know, I do care for her very much, so I'm going to urge her to leave this place, plea for her own good, even though like I need her to 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 stab me, to kill me because I love her, we love each other. I need her to do this for me. Um, 
I will let her go to save her life. And that's very powerful. It's a very, it's a very cool moment in the film. He's, he's not a selfish guy. He needs an act. He needs her to, to help him commit this act to, to save himself. But he's not willing to sacrifice her uh, to do so. Even though she's in constant jeopardy through the whole film. She's either, like, kidnapped by somebody or, like, she's accosted several times by vampire women. And she's always in danger. You know, the werewolf never is able to protect her <laughs> when she's against the vampires until the very, very end, right? She's uh, she's always haunted by these vampires from the beginning of the film, you know? Um, so, yeah, um, a wonderful film. I really, really enjoyed it. And this is one I'm going to be spending a lot of time with. I cannot wait to get into the special features and watch the full-length documentary and all of the interviews and everything else about this. And I'll, I'll watch all three cuts of this movie. I have no problem with that whatsoever. And I'm really excited to watch the other Nashi films in my collection. I've got Inquisition, and I have the Scream Factory, Paul Nashi Collection, Volume 1 and 2. And I have other ones, too. I'm sure. i have to just dig through there. And find out, but I'm interested. I think I have the Frenchman's Garden on there and a bunch of other stuff. So I'm not I'm not exactly sure. But if, if you're interested in what I have in my collection, then you can head on over to Letterboxd and look up Film Trauma. Find me on there, and I'll look through my entire top shelf collection. Now, this is only the collection that I have in my living room. It's only about 730 titles that I have in my living room that I'm pulling from that I blew my life savings on. Um, that that I'm pulling from to make episodes on the podcast with. In my garage, I have 20 stacks, or, well, it's what, four or six rows, four rows deep, 20 stacks high of Blu-rays that are of all types of Blu-rays, comedies, horror, you know, whatever, just the standard non-special edition, non-boutique, non-boutique titles non-boutique labels that I have out there that are, you know, kind of whatever, but in my living room, I only have the, the, the boutique stuff. It was only my top shelf collection, um, which, you know, last year at this time wasn't really a whole lot, a few box sets and just a couple of shelves. And now it's just grown to, um, you know, nine shelves with tons of box sets lining everything. And it's, it's just overflowing overflowing even a few weeks ago there I had everything there was no double stacks on there and now it's all it's all double stacked up with everything so um the werewolf versus the vampire woman from vinegar syndrome uh five stars I absolutely loved it and I just can't wait to spend more time with this movie and spend more time um revisiting Paul Nashi's werewolf character his anti-hero because holy cow, what an enjoyable film this was. What a great experience. Um, and I think you should check it out. And if you'd like to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram at Film Trauma Podcast, Twitter, Film Trauma Pod, or um, Letterboxd on Film Trauma. And this podcast is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. Um, Anchor, Stitcher, SiriusXM, Pandora, all that stuff. Wherever, mostly wherever podcasts are available, you can find Film Trauma Podcast, and I hope you do, because as soon as I gain more than three listeners, 
um, I'd like to open up, you know, polls and, and suggestions where people can actually pick out a title for me to watch and I'll watch it you know, from my own collection. And on this show, I'm only doing films from my personal collection that I own physical copies of from my top shelf. And then at some point, I'm going to dig into my digital collection that I have, which is probably over 5,000 titles, at least. I would say it's an easy 5,000 titles um, in my library, my digital Plex library. So once I get into that, it's going to be endless. I'll be doing it for the rest of my life. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm much more of a fan of these genre films than I am of highbrow cinema. I'm really not interested. There's other podcasts out there doing these great picks from amazing, well-known classic directors and artful films and all this and that. I really don't care about that. I'm more interested in genre films. I'm more interested in giallo and Italian horror, Z-grade, B-grade, C-grade. I don't care. That's what I'm interested in. That's what gets a reaction from me. I think all new films mostly are boring. They bore the shit out of me, and I don't care about any of them. So, but that's fine. I don't have to. That's my opinion, and my opinion is the only one that matters to me, and your opinion should be the only opinion that matters to you, and your taste is the only taste that matters. So, don't listen to me. Listen to yourself, and uh, we'll see you.